this morning we're going to look at Ephesians and talk about how we should uh, how we should grow. And when I say grow, I, I'm only speaking in spiritual terms, not physically. Um, I actually lately I've been working on how not to grow, uh, just from a physical standpoint. Uh, yeah, not spiritual, <laughs> Colonel. Not spiritual. Sorry. Uh, I had to remember who was in the room. But God has a goal for each one of us, no matter our background, no matter where we're from. If you are a believer in Christ, our goal ultimately is to be like Jesus. And the way that we do that is to grow in grace and in Christ. Unfortunately, most people, we grow old, but we do not grow up. And God calls us to grow up. Many believers, while they are believers and they are Christians, they get stuck in basically spiritual infancy. They never uh, get off the milk, so to speak. They never get into the meat. Matthew 9, verse 9, Jesus said, Come be my disciple. And so Matthew got up and followed him. So what we're really talking about is, as a body of believers, we should be Christ's disciples. I was uh, having lunch with a pastor here, and um, he, he has this little men's group, and uh, he, he invited me, and a friend of mine invited me to that. And it was interesting. He, he said to me, you know, a lot of people have this idea that the church is only here to comfort you and to help you. He said, but we should be making disciples. And, you know, I haven't heard that in a while. But that is, the, that is the truth, not that we don't comfort one another, but as we grow, as we become mature, we know how to comfort one another. We know how to help each other. So what we have to do is first the disciples chose to follow Jesus. That didn't mean they understood what he was going to ask. And let's be honest, if he explained all, to all of us uh, our life story after we uh, accepted him, we would probably say, now, wait a minute, I didn't want to know all of that. So he doesn't do that. But the commitments that we make in life shape who we are. Your commitments develop you or they can destroy you. And when I say commitments, you could use the word habits. It's the same. But either way, our commitments, our habits define who we are. We always become what we are committed to. And so for a lot of people, the word commitment scares them. That's why for a lot of people, they'll live together, but they won't get married. Because commitment, nobody likes that word. Or we'll make half-hearted commitments, which lead us nowhere. So this morning, I want to take a look at God's word and go through some things that we can do, that God can help us to do, to grow. Uh, we used to sing in Sunday school, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow right and so you know what that hasn't changed as we get older physically we should still read our bibles we should still be a part of a fellowship of believers but there's two parts to growing in christ there's what god does god's part but we also have a part to play now we're not talking about salvation i'm not saying that uh that you have some some you do something to be saved we know that Ephesians teaches us that it is by God's grace that we are saved. But after we're saved, we should make commitments that, uh, depending on God's Spirit, to help us fulfill 
God's purpose in our life. His ultimate purpose is to be like Christ. So once you decide to get really serious about being like Jesus, you're supposed to be transformed, and the Holy Spirit helps us do that, but we also have to be intentional. You've got to be intentional. Just like if you're wanting to do anything, you've got to be intentional to get it done. We don't make this change on our own, and I think you know that. But there are certain things that we should do and be proactive to help with that. Philippians 2, Paul said, Continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. So those, that verse, or those two verses rather, show us the two parts of spiritual growth. Paul said work out and work in. The work out part is really our responsibility. The work in, God's Spirit does that on the inside. Spiritual growth is a joint effort between me and the Holy Spirit, or you and the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit works with us and in us. Philippians 2, 12 and 13, maybe you were taught that uh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling was about how to be saved. It's not. It's about how to grow. It doesn't say work for your own salvation. That's impossible. We can never add to what Christ has already done, and he's not asking us to do that because that would be silly. we got to think about it like this. When you do your physical exercise, I'm just assuming you do physical exercise, you exercise to develop your body. You don't exercise to get a body, right? When you work out on a puzzle, you have all the pieces. Your job is to put them together, not create the pieces. Farmers work the land to have crops. They don't work the land to get land. So God has given us new life, salvation. But he, he also gives us a responsibility to work with him to develop it with fear and trembling. What does fear and trembling truly mean? You should not, as a child of God, be afraid of God. But what that does mean is you should take God seriously. You should take your salvation seriously. When people are casual about spiritual growth, it means they don't understand the eternal consequences of their thoughts and actions in this life. Uh, I love the illustration, and I think um, several people have used it. They'll have this long rope, and they'll have just a little, maybe two inches of it in yellow. And they'll, they'll tell us that the yellow part is our life here. The rest of the rope is eternity. And what you and I do in that yellow, little bitty yellow section of that rope really will determine the rest of our eternity. And so that's why the Bible reminds us to, to, uh, to develop our spiritual muscle with fear and trembling. It doesn't mean to be terrified, but it means to take God's word seriously. You know, God is not the man upstairs. We come up with all these funny words for God. No, he's the Lord. He's the Lord Almighty. And so that doesn't mean that he's not our father, but maybe like me, when you were growing up, you took what your father said seriously. So to grow in our relationship with our heavenly father, God helps us to change our autopilot or our habits. To change your life for good, 
God helps us by changing the way we think. Proverbs 4.23, we're reminded uh, in the great King James Version, as a man thinketh, so is he. Our thoughts uh, really determine the path that we're going to have in life. Every action is first a thought. Every kind of behavior, good or bad, is driven by certain belief that you have. Every action is driven by a certain attitude. And that's why God tells us in his word that we have the mind of Christ, that we can think. doesn't mean we know everything, but it means that we can think as Christ would think. We can see things the way he would see them. So, you know, changing your autopilot is like riding in a speedboat. Maybe you can picture yourself doing that on a lake, and it's on autopilot. And it's set to go east. If you decide to reverse and head west, you have to, you have to two ways, excuse me, to change the boat's direction. One way, you can grab the steering wheel and force it to head in the opposite direction from where the autopilot programs it to go. And you can do that. It's going to take force. It's going to take a lot of willpower, uh, a lot of upper body strength if you have it. You could overcome the autopilot, right? But you would always have resistance. Some of you are too young to remember, but I can remember this. You ready? I remember when it was a luxury to have power steering. And my poor mama would turn that steering wheel and grit her teeth just to turn a curve. Now you just kind of do like that and you don't even think about it. See, some of you, I tell you young people, you don't know how good you have it. But I remember when you didn't have power steering. You always had resistance. You always had, you, you had to have willpower. And, and unfortunately, when you do this over and over and over, your arms will tire of the stress. And when you let go of the steering wheel, if it's on autopilot, what, what will it do? It'll immediately go back to the direction it was programmed. Our life is the same way. When we try to change our life just in willpower, without God, we're going to do it on my own strength. You, you may see some change, but it's not going to last. And you're going to get tired. And, and, and finally, you're going to just give up. You'll say things like, I'll force myself to exercise more. I'll force myself to quit being disorganized or quit being late or fill in the blank. The truth is, willpower gives you short-term change, but it'll also create stress inside, on the inside, internal stress. Because why? We haven't dealt with the autopilot. God deals with the autopilot. When we release this to him and we say, Lord, uh, you know what? Help me with these spiritual disciplines. Help me with the root cause. When we, when we don't deal with the root cause, we don't, the change doesn't feel natural, and so after a while we give up. We go back to the old habits. We go back to the old mindset. So what does God call us to do? In Ephesians 4.23, Paul said, There must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. Why? Because everything else comes from that. Everything we do starts with a thought. And so it, supernaturally, the Holy Spirit begins to change the way we think, to be like Christ is to have developed the mind of Christ. We're told in Philippians 2 verse 5, think the same way that Jesus Christ thought. 
And there's two parts to doing this too. First of all, mental change, mental growth, spiritual growth is not thinking immature thoughts. Now, what does that mean? It means that we are no longer self-centered. We're no longer self-seeking. We talked about this in Sunday school class. John the Baptist said, I must decrease, he must increase. Scripture, scripture teaches us in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20. This is, this is about be, becoming mature. Stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. In other words, uh, in regard to evil, be infants. By nature, babies are completely selfish. It's a survival mechanism, right? They think only of themselves. They don't cry when you're sad. They cry when they're hungry or they need to be changed or whatever it may be. They're not able to give. They can only receive. That's, and so, unfortunately, as we grow older and if we don't grow up, there are people who stay this way. It's about me. It's about me. And this is immature thinking. Many believers don't grow beyond the mindset of, what can you give me? You know, one of, the, one of our presidents was very famous for saying this one uh, sentence, and I believe it was in his inauguration. He said, uh, his thought just totally left me. I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah. What did you just say? How did you know I was going to say that? Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Right? Well, you know what? We should have that mindset for each other as believers in Christ. What can I do for you? What can I do to help you? It's not, and, and, and one of the things that we have to do, and, and this will happen as we grow, we can't dwell on petty things. You should have wore your steel-toed boots today. Petty things are things that in the big picture, they really don't matter. Too many of us today get caught up in dwelling on the small things that don't make any difference, but we make them out to be the most important thing in our lives. Romans 8 verse 5 says, Those who live following their sinful selves think only about things that their sinful selves want. That's selfish, right? So that's the first part, is that we need to think the same way Jesus thought, and then we have to, uh, or, or stop thinking immaturely, and then we have to think maturely, like Jesus would think. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Today, many folks just assume that spiritual maturity is measured by how many scriptures you can quote. The devil quoted scripture. Remember? So don't use that as some way of spiritual growth. Or how many doctrines a person can quote. Those are good things. The Christian life is way more than creeds and doctrines. It always includes conduct and character, as, as we would say, in word and in deed. Our deeds have to be consistent with our creed. Our beliefs must be backed up with Christ-like behavior. If not, then we're, we're hypocrites. We're wearing a mask. You know, that's what that word means. Uh, you may not realize, but to be a hypocrite in Jesus' day was an actor. They wore a mask. So Jesus is saying, you know what, if you can quote the scriptures, 
but you're not really following me. You're just wearing a mask. I don't mean the one you got over your face right now. I mean, you're just being someone that you're really not, right? Being a follower of Christ is not about religion. It's about a relationship that you have daily with the Savior. The core of this lifestyle is putting others for... We, another, here's another great Sunday school song you used to sing. J-O-Y, J-O-Y, this must surely mean Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. Romans 15 verse 2 says, We should think of their good and try to help them by doing what pleased them. Even Christ did not try to please himself. Thinking of others is the heart of Christ's likeness and it's the best evidence of real spiritual growth. What is, what is thinking of others before yourself? It's, it's denying yourself. We used to say self-denial. You remember those in, in, in the core? And we used to talk a lot about that. But that's, that's the core of becoming like Jesus is self-denial. G, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, "If when God calls a man... He bids him come and die. You know, that's, that's, you're not going to see that on a billboard somewhere. You're not going to see that at, at some church in lights, come and die. But that was Jesus' invitation was that if you give your life away, I'll give you new life. I'll give you a purpose. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12 says, God has given us his spirit. That's why we don't think the same way that the people of this world think. You see, friends, God has already given us the tools, the spiritual gifts to live the way we should live. All that, all that he's really asking is that we are vulnerable and we're made available to allow him to mold us, to, to train us. You know, you think of the, the, the bodybuilders, I think of Lou Ferrigno or Arnold Schwarzenegger. They didn't wake up one day and become like that. Little by little, day by day. They train their bodies to grow and to become stronger. We as Christians, God has given us the tools more than anything. He's given us himself to help us become uh, more than we are today. I've asked uh, if the pianist would come and play. We're gonna, she's going to play the chorus that many of you are very familiar with. To be like Jesus, this hope possesses me. His spirit helping me. Like him, I'll be. General John Gallons wrote this, this little course. And you know, that's really what this is all about. If you, if you and I have any other motive for being here this morning, we've missed the mark. Our purpose in fellowship uh, with other believers and our fellowship with Christ is not to be successful in the way the world would say is successful. It's really to be like Jesus. Somebody mentioned this morning in Sunday school about a mirror. And when we see a mirror, we see the reflection. Scripture teaches us that we are to reflect the image of God's Son. In fact, He is the image and likeness of our Heavenly Father. And so for us this morning, we should be the reflection of Jesus. When you ask yourself, what, I wonder what God would think of this or do think of that. Or I wonder what God, read the Gospels. The way Jesus interacted with people, that's God. That's the way we should interact. As this song is being played, I would invite you, if the Spirit has spoken to you, that you would deepen your commitment. And you would also understand you don't have to 
live this Christian life alone. This is not a lone ranger lifestyle that we're called to. We're called, you know, the amazing thing is God does not say, I need you because he doesn't need us, but he invites us to work with him. The Bible says we are his fellow workers and God can make us more than you and I ever thought if we would just be willing to say, Lord, I want to be like you. And then God allows that to happen. Would you sing that with me today? Let's sing. To be like